You're listening to Undetermined, Deaths, Disappearances, and Mysteries. I'm your host, Dr. N. Please note that this episode discusses suicide and death by suicide. You might be thinking, why are we even talking about this case? Wasn't Marilyn Monroe's death ruled as a death by suicide? Isn't this case pretty cut and dry? There are a lot of people who think the circumstances surrounding her death are suspicious, and there are many conspiracy theories that outline explanations other than suicide. I want to talk about those, along with the predominant theory that she did die by suicide. But first, I want to go through what we know about Marilyn shortly before her death, and the determination of the cause and manner of death. In the weeks prior to her death, Marilyn was having trouble with substance abuse, and at work, she was fired from the film Something's Gotta Give by Fox, and the studio blamed her for a lot of the issues with the production of the film. Though, in the weeks directly preceding her death, Marilyn took strides to repair her reputation, providing many interviews for high-profile publications, and even negotiating her rehiring for Something's Gotta Give, along with pursuing other roles. The timeline surrounding her death is also pretty interesting, given the witness accounts. She goes from seemingly okay to one friend on the phone to troublingly impaired to the next. Let's go through the timeline on the day of her death. Marilyn's death was estimated to have occurred between 8.30 and 10.30 p.m. Keep this in mind as we go through the timeline. Marilyn's last day alive was August 4th, 1962, and it was spent at her home in Brentwood, Los Angeles. She met with a photographer, Lawrence Schiller, in the morning to discuss publishing photos from the movie Something's Gotta Give in Playboy. Her personal massage therapist also gave her a massage that day. She was not alone in the house at any point. Her housekeeper, Eunice Murray, and her publicist, Patricia Newcomb, were both there the entire night. Newcomb admits to having an argument with Marilyn, though she claims Marilyn wasn't in the best mood because she had not slept well the previous night. At 4.30 that evening, Marilyn's psychiatrist, Ralph Greenson, conducted a therapy session at her home. He left around 7 p.m. and asked the publicist to stay the night to keep her company. Shortly after the therapist left, Marilyn received a call from Joe DiMaggio Jr., the son of her former husband. He was calling to tell her that he broke up with his girlfriend, a girl that Marilyn did not like. He didn't recall her saying anything troubling in hindsight. Around 7.45, she called her psychiatrist to tell him that Joe Jr. had broken up with his girlfriend. She then went to her bedroom around 8 o'clock, where she received a call from Peter Lawford, who wanted her to attend a party that night. He said she sounded to be under the influence of drugs and wasn't making a whole lot of sense. He claimed she told him, quote, say goodbye to Pat, say goodbye to the president, and say goodbye to yourself because you're a nice guy, before losing consciousness. Lawford was so troubled by this behavior that he called his agent, who tried to get a hold of her psychiatrist, to no avail. He then called her lawyer, who called the house, but the housekeeper brushed off his concerns, saying she was fine. 
Fast forward to about 3.30 the next morning, on August 5th, that same housekeeper who said everything was fine the night before, woke up feeling uneasy. She tried checking on Marilyn, but could not get a response, and could not get through her locked door. She called the psychiatrist, who arrived shortly after, broke the window to get to Marilyn, and found her dead. A physician was called who confirmed her death at 3.50 a.m. The Los Angeles Police Department was notified at 4.25 a.m. Marilyn was documented as being found naked, face down in her bed, with a telephone in one hand and empty pill bottles scattered around the room. The coroner who conducted Marilyn's autopsy estimated her time of death to be between 8.30 and 10.30 p.m. the night before. Toxicology results concluded the cause of death was acute barbiturate poisoning. Specifically, she had 8 milligrams of chloral hydrate and 4.5 milligrams of pentobarbital in her blood, along with 13 milligrams of pentobarbital in her liver. Seeing no signs of any external wounds or significant bruising on her body, they concluded the manner of death to be a probable suicide since the dosage in her system was far too high to be considered an accident, in their opinion. There was no suicide note ever found, though a psychiatrist who assisted the coroner's office said that wasn't unusual, claiming that less than 40% of suicide victims leave a note. To back this claim up, according to recent research, more than 50% of decedents by suicide left no communications of intent to die by suicide, and 22% of the deaths were accompanied by no known inciting events or identified life stressors, which happened to be markedly more common among men. There were so many conspiracy theories flying around in the years after her death that investigators eventually decided to explore whether there was any weight to them. A subsequent investigation into her death in 1982 found no evidence to support any of those theories, mainly those based on the theory that she was murdered, which was widely believed and publicized in the preceding two decades. The big question on a lot of people's minds lingers up until this day. Was it actually death by suicide? Or was it murder? There are a number of conspiracy theories related to the belief that she was murdered that I'll go through next. The first theory is that the Kennedy family was responsible for her death. The first speculation that Marilyn's death may have been a murder came from Frank A. Kappel. He self-published a pamphlet entitled The Strange Death of Marilyn Monroe in 1964, in which he claimed her death stemmed from a larger communist conspiracy. Her murder, he alleged, stemmed from jealousy. He believed she had an affair with the U.S. Attorney General at the time, Robert F. Kennedy, who was John F. Kennedy, the president's younger brother, when she threatened to cause a scandal. RFK allegedly ordered her assassination to protect his political career. Cappell believed many of her close friends were communist sympathizers, including RFK. His sources are questionable at best since they all tend to circle back to him, 
and citing yourself isn't exactly the pinnacle of sound journalism. Something that also muddies the credibility waters here is that Kappel's friend, Jack Clemens, helped him write the pamphlet. Clemens happened to be a sergeant with the Los Angeles Police Department and was the first police officer on the scene of Marilyn's death. The issue with this is that he was a huge conspiracy nut and had a bone to pick with the Kennedys. He even later claimed that he had found Marilyn's housekeeper washing her sheets when he arrived, something he failed to mention in the initial report. There are many who think there was a larger cover-up surrounding her death ordered by the Kennedys. She spent a lot of time around them and could have been privy to a number of sensitive secrets, especially if the rumors about her affairs, both with RFK and JFK, were true. In 2007, an Australian filmmaker found a partially redacted FBI document that suggested RFK was involved in a larger plot to stage her suicide. It goes on to implicate many close members of Marilyn's circle, including Peter Lawford, the last person to speak with her before she died on the phone, her psychiatrist, her housekeeper, and her agent, all of whom saw her just hours before her death. She had been known to stage suicide attempts for attention in the past, and some people believed she was given the opportunity to do so again, only this time, they didn't help her. Similar to others' conspiracies surrounding her death, the motive was to keep Marilyn from sharing sensitive information, including her alleged affairs with the Kennedy brothers. If she kept records of conversations containing confidential information, she would have put a target on her back, though there's no solid evidence that she did so. The second main theory surrounding the belief that Marilyn was murdered was that the Mafia did it. And no roundup of conspiracies would be complete without a tie to the mob. One of the more complicated theories comes from the allegation that Marilyn's house was bugged upon the request of Jimmy Hoffa or Sam Giancana, powerful mob bosses at the time. The man responsible for bugging the house, Bernard Spindle, claims to have witnessed a fight between Marilyn and RFK on the night of her death though evidence suggests RFK was in San Francisco that night. Conveniently, these quote-unquote recordings were said to have been destroyed in 1966, so there's no way of corroborating them. The rationale behind bugging her house was that the mob, mainly Giancana, wanted her dead. It was rumored that she had an affair with one of his henchmen, Johnny Roselli and allegedly threatened to blow the operations of the whole Chicago mob family. There's also a rumor that Giancana had some power over Marilyn after negotiating her first film contract in exchange for her seduction of powerful men to feed the mob information for blackmail. In an incredibly specific account of what he believed happened, Author Darwin Porter laid out a sequence of events for how this mob hit was executed. He believed that five hitmen were sent to her house. They chloroformed her, stripped her, and gave her a barbiturate enema. Based on the coroner's notes, there was evidence that she did ingest the pills orally rather than having them delivered by enema, 
due to the hemorrhaging of the stomach lining. If Marilyn had been in cahoots with the mob, then it's plausible that she was in danger, but most of these accounts can't be corroborated. A documentary entitled Unacknowledged claimed Marilyn was murdered by the CIA because of sensitive information she knew about the Roswell incident. Yes, the UFO incident. Stay with me here. The film's producer, a conspiracy theorist himself, no shockers there, claims to have a classified CIA memo in his possession that was written only two days prior to Marilyn's death. He believes the memo refers to the Roswell UFO crash in 1947 and speculates that JFK told Marilyn that he had witnessed evidence of alien life at the secret airbase. The producer believes she was killed to keep that information from going public. In a similar vein, some other people theorize that she was murdered by the CIA or the FBI because of her speculated relationship with RFK as a power play against the Kennedys. There's no evidence whatsoever to back up these claims, made by author Norman Mailer. He admitted later that he only included this information as a ploy to sell more copies of his book, and that he actually believed it was an accidental suicide. Now moving on from the murder conspiracies, there's one more conspiracy theory that I want to talk about. And it may be the most far-fetched theory of them all, that she's still alive. I think most famous people who have died have some faked death conspiracy tied to them at some point. There was a claim that Marilyn's death was staged by her psychiatrist so that he could admit her to a treatment facility in Canada without public scrutiny. Author John Alexander Baker believes Marilyn was kept at this facility for 20 years without recognition before her release. You're probably wondering, where did this theory even come from? Well, it turns out Baker picked up a hitchhiker in Nova Scotia in 1984 who claimed Marilyn's identity, someone he described as, quote, homeless, frightened, and paranoid schizophrenic. This woman went on to tell Baker about her memories as a movie star, and Baker even claimed that she looked a lot like Marilyn and sounded like her too when she sang. Without hard evidence, photos, video, physical proof of this woman's existence, it would be impossible to entertain this theory much further. There are so many shared characteristics between people across the globe if you've heard of the twin theory, there was a viral post going around about two people who were unrelated but looked like twins. It's possible that this woman resembled Marilyn and learned to copy her singing voice and even truly believed that she was her after a certain point, given her mental state. I'd consider this the most implausible theory covered because there are so many explanations that make more sense than a massive conspiracy to hide the fact that she was still alive. From my point of view, I don't really buy the murder theory either. I think it's more likely that the coroner was correct. 
The biggest mystery for me is whether it was intentional or not. Since there was no note, no real indication of why it happened, we may never know whether Marilyn truly intended or wanted to die that night. As someone who struggled with substance abuse and dependence for a lot of her life, even though the dose appeared to be too high for an accidental overdose, it may not have been too high for her. The evidence we do have points to intentional, though. She was under the close care of a psychiatrist for a history of substance abuse and severe depression. Though it stands to wonder why she was provided with enough barbiturates to overdose on. I think the fascination with this case and any celebrity death in general is that we want to know why. We want to know what was going on in their heads and why they made certain decisions and ultimately we want to know something that is unknowable leaving this case undetermined for suicide prevention resources please see the link in the episode notes thank you for listening to episode five i hope you're all enjoying the podcast please let me know your thoughts on the case through instagram at undetermined pod or by emailing me at undeterminedpod at gmail.com. If you have an undetermined story of your own, I'd love to share it on the podcast. Please send it to the email linked in the episode notes. If you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe, download episodes, and leave a review. And as always, stay curious. All episode content was researched, written, and produced by me, Dr. N. All sources for the episodes can be found at the link in the episode notes. All music you hear on this podcast was written and produced by me, Dr. N.